the number one Costa Rica real estate and investment podcast, bringing you experts from all over Costa Rica. Good morning, guys, and welcome to episode 138. I had to take a look there of Costa Rica Real Estate and Investments with me, your host, Richard Beckson. Today, we're going to be talking with Colin Brown Lee. We had him on the podcast before, but we're going to have a bit more of a focus here on the sales and marketing part of owning a uh, business here in Costa Rica. As many of you know, Colin is the owner of Banana Zool Hotel in Playa Negra in the Caribbean, but also Clickass Marketing, which I think I've mentioned before might be the uh, coolest name for a business I've heard in a while. But so we're going to be talking to Colin kind of about, um, you know, how to market properties here in Costa Rica, mistakes that people make make some low hanging fruit that you can just grab straight away when marketing a property, uh, revenue maximization, and also a little bit about the tech stack to use when running a uh, hospitality business here in Costa Rica uh, and a hotel. So it uh, should be very interesting. You know, this is kind of in my wheelhouse as well as Colin. So I- I'm sure it'll be a great conversation as always. But uh, also uh, in one of the up and coming podcast guys, I'm going to do it on my own. I've just spent a huge amount of time and money basically analyzing uh, occupancy, revenue numbers, average daily rates of tons. I probably I think it's about 4,000 vacation rentals here in Costa Rica per area. Uh, and then also aligning that with the value of properties as well, just to really take a look and see where there is opportunity here for investing here in Costa Rica. So as many of you know, we help people invest here in Costa Rica. Sometimes we take a, uh, I would say a data focus on this by really looking at the returns and also seeing where there's opportunity. We actually purchase stuff ourselves. So we actually eat our own uh, our own soup, I suppose. Um, we've just bought a condo in Tamarindo, which we remodeled. Why did we do that? Because we looked at the rates there and also kind of the gains that we could make on it uh, and decided to make that investment uh, on it there. So we've just remodeled that. Um, I think we bought it for 200, put like 35 into it and have currently got it for sale for 299,000. So uh, some good returns there. Also the Good thing about that is that, again, if we don't sell it, we can rent it in the meantime as well, because it's 400 meters from the ocean. Uh, It's a very, very good property. So I'll be focusing on that in the future. Remember, guys, if any of you do want help investing in Costa Rica, uh, it can be anything from buying a condo, building a vacation rental, a hotel, a commercial project. Uh, We can kind of help you have a soft landing and also provide you some data. Uh, Again, it's very limited, some of the data that we have here. So we have to go out and create a lot of it ourselves. Uh, Or it's proprietary data that we have from, again, as you guys know, I was uh, one of the owners of Central America's largest travel company. So always looking at tourism data to just really figure out where the next, you know, real estate location uh, boom is going to be. So you can contact us. Info at investingcostarica.com. That's info at investingcostarica.com. But let's get straight into the podcast. Good morning, Colin. How are you doing? Good morning, Richard. Good to see you again. No, not at all. I appreciate you coming back on the podcast with us. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Glad to be here. Fantastic. Well, Colin, the first question I always like to ask everyone, just because, again, you know, the I suppose financial markets in the world is in turmoil, which is probably pretty normal for now going forwards, because I think that's the new that's the new normal. I mean, I think listeners would like to get an idea kind of in your world of hospitality. I mean, what are you seeing? Is business slowing down? Are you seeing a return to seasonality? I mean, what are you seeing and what do you think you'll see? Well, you know, I mean, during COVID in my deepest, darkest times, I really thought it was all over. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, I was there. Yeah. And, uh, and so we had no idea what it was going to look like, you know, on the other side. And, uh, and it didn't look good, no matter what, there was no sort of a little light at the end of the tunnel or anything like that. And, uh, but you know what, it's so shocking that it came out very strong, very fast, and continues to be so. And again, I am still surprised at this date, but you know, 2019 prior to COVID for us was a record. 2021 was a record. 2022 was a record. And we're talking each of these years of beating the previous year between 10 and 15%. So it's, it's, you know, uh, and, and again, I don't really understand it. Uh, I, I think the main thing is that Costa Rica has really just become really hot post COVID and people see this as, as an ideal place to escape the, you know, the, the event that we went through with COVID and everything. And I mean, how's Q1 2023 for you? How would that compare to 2022? Ka-ching. 
Um, wow. It's another record. Um, yeah, we're again beating all last year about by about ten percent. Yeah. And uh, it's and and the thing is, I don't have any more rooms. I have no more upgrades or anything like that to sell. And we just keep kind of, you know, squeezing more money out of the people that are here. And 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 somehow it just keeps working. I don't. I don't. Re again, I don't really understand it. Good for you guys. I mean, I'm starting, you know, I've spoken to quite a, a few of the hoteliers actually over the past, I would say, month. They've actually reached out to me and been like, Rich, what are you seeing? I think that what they're starting to see is that they're not seeing the craziness of 2022 in the rest of the year. You know, whether that's people going to book last minute or whether we're going to return to this seasonality that we had pre-COVID, you know, of a really good high season, Quietens down a little bit over Easter, starts to pick up again, you know, for June, July, midway through August. September and October is, you know, somewhat dead, I would say, you know, 30, 40% occupancy. And then we wrap up for Christmas again. Your Caribbean's different. You guys are different, right? How would, what's your cycle like on the Caribbean? Um, do you know what? The only slow months are as slower, not yeah. slow, is May, June, November to December 20th. Wow. And all the rest are, and September, October are approaching high season occupancy and rate um, because people that's, finally figured out the Caribbean is the place to be during those months. Yeah, I mean, that's the interesting thing, which I think a lot of people don't like, don't know is that like September, October, where it's pouring down everywhere else in Costa Rica, the Caribbean is sunny and beautiful. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, and the water is very calm. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, nice for snorkeling and, and uh, swimming in the ocean and, and things like that. Definitely, definitely. Well, I mean, a lot of people, you know, that we speak to, are, you know, looking to build or buy a hotel in Costa Rica. I mean, what would be your general advice to them, Colin, having done this, apart from don't do it? Well, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, make sure you're very passionate about doing something like that. And um, yeah. my, my real advice is just know that it's way more than what it looks like on the surface. Okay. Yep. And, um, and the complexities with marketing, evolving guest expectations, legal requirements, staffing, accounting, taxation have just made it so much more complex than it was 10 years ago. And now you just can't, uh, you know, before you could just open 10 rooms or 15 rooms and, and you could wing it and, and you would do it. You would, you would pay your bills and make some money and everything yeah. was great that those days are totally over. You'll be just totally left in the dust now. And yeah. uh, so that's my, it's just really talk to somebody who's really seasoned in the business and listen to them and really know what you're getting yourself into and ask yourself, are you really up for that? You know, it's a real yeah. job. You know? well, I mean, you have to have a passion for this because again, you know, I think every hotelier that I know and everyone in hospitality has a passion for it. Yeah. Well, Richard, just, you know, full disclosure here, you know, over 20 years ago, when I conceived this place, um, I just really thought we were opening a Key West sort of uh, guest house B&B, right? And I just assumed that, you know, we were going to be lying in hammocks with a cordless phone, answering the phone, and and somehow people would just check in and check out, and the rooms would get cleaned, and somebody that's, would do the maintenance. Oh, and, that's you not know, how it works, Colin? Have fun, drink beer, pay on the way out, right? And and yeah. I really thought that's sort of what it was was like. I, I remember my son saying to me, Dad, I didn't know you ain't knew anything about running a hotel. And I said, I don't. How hard could it be? You know? And uh so here we are later, you know, we have 55 staff, 25 rooms, tour company, restaurant, supermarket, bar, you know, I mean, and uh so yeah, it, it's there's no line in the reach. Well, I mean, you've done an amazing job, Colin. I mean, you really have. I mean, you know, Casey and I have been down there, you know, a couple of times. And just every time we come down there, it develops even more. You know, there's no stopping you. Um, you know, but I, I wanted to kind of just jump, you know, let, let's think about that. I mean, if you were to go back to the beginning again and you were to tell yourself something, what would you tell yourself something, when, you know, when you, when you first bought down the door? Well, the first thing uh, that I, I really learned painfully over the first few, few years was, my, you know, that that you have this assumption that you know everything, which is lose that. Um, also, um, that you think you know what guests want. You don't. Yep. Just to give you an idea, um, we put hammocks on the beach. And I just thought, oh, no, we're not going to do lawn chairs on the beach. That's so suburban and middle class. And, you know, we're Puerto Viejo and yep. we're different and everything. Well, guess what? You know, you know, hammocks are a nice postcard. 
you know, and a nice selfie and everything, but they're really not that comfortable, you know, for, for most people and getting in and out of them after 40 is not fun either. Um, and we put this, these chairs on the beach and guess what? People just love them and they even love them more when we put cushions on them. And yeah. it's like, who would have known, you know? And, uh, I thought that we weren't going to have a pool again. I just thought it was too, you know, middle-class, you know, Howard Johnson's to have a pool. And, uh, and, you know, we eventually put it in a pool and, and guess what, you know, everyone lived it, even though they don't use it that much, yep. that it still completes this vacation, you know, feel. And so these are just some examples of things that I thought I knew and, and, uh, um, you know, and I don't do that anymore. I really listen to the customers and figure it out what it is they want. I mean, I think that's important, you know, when I started, you know, as you know, you know, I was in the tourism business for many years and now we're kind of more in the hospitality development side, like helping people invest here. Of like when I started, I kind of have a rough idea of what I was going to do, but I was like under the understanding of my clients would tell me where the business needed to go. Exactly, exactly. And you know? they will. Yeah. Yeah. And well, they let's will talk about yeah, they will tell you, which is good. And especially if you ask them, they'll definitely tell you as well. You know? Well, speaking of which, um, I do something that's really um, uh, helpful is when we do a follow-up email and, and you know, we don't really try and get people to give us a review because, you know, people are really tired of that, you know, and it, yep. it just all feels so contrived. So we uh, do this little follow-up of thank you for staying for with us and everything. And we ask people if they take a moment, if there was one thing that we could have done to make their stay better, what would that be? And we get some really great feedback. Um, and it's just, it's, it's very uh, authentic yep. and they know we're reading it. And you find out all of these little details that you would have never known because you've never slept in the rooms. Yep. So you don't know anything about what their experience is like. And you what's only read stuff? the horrible ones on, on TripAdvice. <laughs> what's, what's been some of the stuff where that you guys have had aha moments where the clients have, have, have given you feedback? Well, like the, you know, the, you know, our old days, our, our laundry used to be close to some of the rooms and the maids would get to work early and they wouldn't start, you know, cleaning for at least a half hour, maybe 45 minutes. So they would sit there and chit chat and gossip and everything. And people in a couple of the rooms could hear all of this and they thought and... they were and uh but they weren't and uh but of course they weren't being bad they were just yeah, you know you co-workers know. talking to yeah. each other and uh so just little things like that and uh you know that the, that this bed squeaks and um you yeah. know and, and uh oh they, that that you know uh it's hard to read in this room um you know because of the lighting um you know, all sorts of little things like that, that you would have just never known. And most of them are really easy fixes. Yeah. And, and some of them are, are not, you know, so um, yeah, it's, it's just, it, it was really helpful just doing that. Awesome. I, I mean, I, again, I think sometimes just asking opens the door to so much information and you can really use that to guide your business and improving it and kind of changing it a little bit. So yeah. Also, I just didn't want to invite a laundry list. Uh, so I just, you know, nobody wants that thing. Some people will give you a laundry list. Uh, but, but it was just like, you know, just these little tips, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, so it was awesome. really, really helpful. Well, let's change gear into click ass marketing, which I always say might be one of the best names for a business I've heard in a while and coming from branding and knowing your customer and marketing, Colin, I'm, I'm sure it, it probably didn't take you that long to, to, uh, to, to, to find that name. But I mean, what does it do? Because I think this is really a service that people really need to understand if they're going to kind of come into the hospitality world here in Costa Rica. Right. Okay. So, you know, uh, as you know, my background prior to uh, my life in Costa Rica was marketing and advertising. And I used to do media uh, planning and strategies. And then when the internet came along, I moved from broadcast and print to the internet. And uh, then I, I've always enjoyed it. 
doing it as more of a hobby versus, you know, in the corporate world. And so I was able to take these skills to, to my hotel here in Costa Rica. So and I continued and then I just really focused on tourism in Costa Rica. So what we what I first should say is what we used to do and what we do now. And what we used to do is we used to do people's branding, Google AdWords, uh, social media management and graphics and things like that. And and we had success and we had good clients, you know, like Adobe Rent-A-Car, Explorador's Rafting, Cariba Shuttle, um, some other hotels. And uh, so we had some, you know, you know decent mid-sized clients and, uh, and they were all stayed with us and we had success. But, you know, you're only in control of that one piece of it. And you're not con in control of what happens when the client contacts, you know, takes the step of making a reservation. And yeah. that's where we found a lot of times things just fell apart and we had no control over. It, and it was really hard giving, you know, constructive feedback to people's staff because they're not your staff and it didn't go over well. And of course, you know, so it caused all sorts of friction between uh, us and the, especially the staffing amongst the, the clients. So, um, you know, what happened was COVID and uh, COVID that, you know, everything stopped and we had all these cancellations, like, you know, 70% cancellations and, and, uh, and, you know, we owed everybody a whole bunch of money and, and we also had, um, um, you know, we had also people trying to book reservations. Yeah. So the ClickAss staff didn't have much to do. So we put them in charge of, you know, handling all of this huge nightmare of, of reservation management. And they just did it. And it was just amazing how they were able to, to uh, you know, handle this huge, what I just perceived as this massive nightmare. And um, and then, then as reservations started to come in, they were just doing this seamless job of taking them. And we come up with this new prepayment package, non-refundable and great rates that gave us cash flow. Yep. And so they were raising us much needed money, handling all the reservations, getting the refunds out and everything. And we were able to just focus on the hotel. So I was like, oh my God, you know, this really works. And we were really seeing it. So, and we took, we decided to continue that model with our hotel and then we reshaped the marketing company and now we specialize in small uh properties of four rooms and up and uh up to you know uh, where it works for the client up to say 25 35 rooms and um and to take care of all their um uh, marketing needs. And so I'll just quickly summarize those. So, you know, we do full marketing, which is branding, graphics, website, Google ads, social media, photography, et cetera. So that, that whole, all of that. And then reservations management, which includes pre-stay guest communication and management includes collecting payments, cancellation and date changes, refunds, et cetera. Um, you know, this is one of the things just on a note on that is, is we would find that so many of our people would, would not charge the clients and um, until yeah. they got there. And even though it was past the, the, the deadline of cancellation, people would cancel and most of them would just lose the money. And it was so, so you were just, and you didn't many times have a chance to resell the room. And so they, they just leave so much money sitting on the table. It's, it's unreal. And so that's all taken care of because our new model, we don't get paid unless there's a reservation because it's all yeah. on commitment. And so, I mean, no reservation, no payment, we don't get paid. And if the reservation cancels, we don't get paid. So, you know, we have one focus and that's a win-win. Yeah. And it's to get you direct reservations because that's where we are. Our fee is higher and that's what you want. So, and then um, also, you know, there's OTAs you know, which for people who don't know, online travel agencies and the two big ones being uh, booking.com and Expedia. 
And if you don't manage those, uh, they will eat you alive. Um, and uh, they are not your friend. Okay. Um, so it's that we, you know, we use that word frenemies, you know, and I say yeah. it very not, you know, I, yeah. I say that, you know, <laughs> um, so it's really to understand, but you do need them. And uh, that's how a lot of people research their vacations. So you'd be fools not to use them. Well, so I just to give I, people, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, speaking of booking, you know, in my experience, that client is not the best client either. Meaning that like, oh. usually high cancellation doesn't really read doesn't spend money on your property like it's not a great the best client you can get is direct yeah so yeah uh, i mean again for you know uh lack of a better word we call them bottom feeders and uh, yep. they're on the otas not so much expedia expedia does have a different client but the booking.com those guys are brutal and yeah. because they're just checking boxes, they don't care what the name of your hotel is and everything. And, and it's just basically price and do you have a swimming pool and, and uh, you know, and, and that's it. So, uh, you know, just to give people some ideas, you know, OTAs, if you add all up all the, the costs, it's always a minimum of 20% and can go higher. Okay. Um, so inventory management, uh, you know, who would have thought, well, we don't open up our OTAs until 30 to 60 days in advance. That's okay, smart. so if you want to pre-book, there's no occupancy on the OTAs because we find that people book uh, on OTAs more last minute. Yeah. And then people tend to check your website. So, and then we know we're gonna we're a beach place so we know we're full on the weekends. So we take off out all the weekends. So you can't book our place on the OTAs on the weekends. Yep. Um, so again, it forces these people to your website. Um, and then Christmas, January, February, March, you know, you're going to be, you know, very high occupancy. So we only open those OTAs sometimes, even like five days prior, if we're sensing weakness, that we want to fill a few rooms. And then we open up the inventory and we're able to always achieve on average an, an occupancy rate of 90% plus all year round. Okay. And our OTA rate is hovering now between 20 and 20, 25%. And an average hotel when we take over is 60%. Yeah. Okay. And some of them we've even had as high as 80%, okay, which they totally own you then. Yes. Okay. And so when you figure out what the difference is that you pay in fees to the OTAs versus, you know, the, the you know, because we usually can get people right away down to about 40%. And from 60 to 40. Okay. And then we work to get them lower. Just the savings alone almost usually pays for our fees. Uh, wow. Right there with that. So a couple of stats people should know. OTAs have a 40%, booking.com especially, 40% cancellation rate. So 40% of the reservations you take from booking.com are no good. Which you can't resell anyway because they've already probably done it last minute and then like it's a last minute room. So yeah, lost and, and they're just sitting there taking your inventory. Okay. Yeah. okay. It's not like the, you know, the, the TV set where they're going to return it and you can resell it, you know, and, yeah. and get, you know, once that room is gone, the day's gone. gone. Okay. Yeah. So that's, and so versus direct is 18% cancellation rate. Okay. And these are statistics. These are not my own. These are statistics that are bonafide. They mirror my own experience. Uh, higher price and longer stays. Direct people uh, easily add sixty percent to the reservation amount. Okay, uh, they're just bigger spenders and longer stays. They're committed to your property, and uh, they're not booking one night just to see how it goes, uh, which is like what OTAs do. And that so it's it's really really OTA management is critical. And then we do, uh, you know, the secret sauce, uh, uh, what nowadays, which very few people use small hotels is dynamic pricing, which is just like the airlines. So based on, um, so before I would always have a, you know, a mid season, low uh, season. And fixed rates, right? And, you know, I found out that people were willing to pay high season rates almost all year. 
<laughs> well, Colin, my question is this, though, because are you doing that manually or do you have a system that does that for you? Yes, we interface with an uh, with a third party system um, that, uh, you know, does a, a good job, but you still have to have, have to keep an eye on it manual yeah. because it can get a little crazy. And, and like anything AI these days, it's not quite, you know, uh, so. Yes, we do that, but uh, there's also, there's OTA website pricing. Like we uh, put our rates 10% lower on our- um, uh, on Direct on your website? Website versus the yep. OTA. So yep. we always have the lowest price. Yep. Um, and people, do you know that 50, they estimate that 52% of people that go to an OTA that go to the website and check the price on your website. Oh, I do it all constantly. I mean, I'm terrible. You know, I'm I'm like a yeah. terrible client. I always yeah. end up looking direct anyway, just because yeah. like, I understand the plight of hoteliers and tourists and right. transport. Like, why am I giving money to Expedia and booking to making them money and not making the small business yeah. owner money? Like, I've been 20%. There. You know, it's not like a little commission. It's 20%. Well, you know, I just wonder is how, what's the... Re- the return of those clients, the repeat clients as well, compared to direct as well. Meaning a direct client probably repeats a lot more in the future when they do come back than one that books through the OTAs. Right. And the ones that book through the OTAs, we tell them upon checkout, look, and we give them a little thing that says, by the way, you know, 20% plus of your reservation money went to the OTAs and this is how much you could have saved. Yeah. Uh, on your reservation if you book direct. Please book direct next time. And so we really, really educate our clients. So this, and so we do uh, just on pricing is the OTA website pricing packages. You know, sometimes we do specials for Tico's Nationals and we have little programs for return guests and then we have non-refundable rates. And so we do all of this, uh, revenue management. It's not just dynamic pricing. There's uh, there's lots of tools that you can use. I think anyone looking to go into the hospitality industry needs to understand that there are kind of two major parts of hospitality. There's the operation of once the client arrives, and then there's the sales and marketing part from the front of it. And like, you need both parts working because otherwise it just doesn't, the machine doesn't work. And actually I see it three parts. Okay. I see that you have the website, you know, which is your online store where people are walking in. Think of it as a physical store. People walk in and they're looking around and they want to get information and you show them nice things and, and answer questions and you know, we have uh, all of our clients have live chat on the website and our, our 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 customer service people work seven days a week from seven to seven and they answer people's questions and are just ready to secure that reservation. So you have that part. OK, and then you have the facility. OK, and the facility has got to you know come up to what you're promising them, you know, and and so that's a lot of work in itself is just, ma- you know, making sure the facility meets expectations and is constantly being kept up and hopefully improved. And then you have the customer service uh, uh, end of it. So where we found that things were so all three of those things have to work and we have all three yeah. of those things working. It works. Okay. But if one is broken, it doesn't work. Okay. So we would find with our clients a lot of the time is that the the customer service thing was broken. And that was because, and especially now, uh, it was hard to get staff that was really qualified to handle those reservations properly with language issues, education issues. Also the staff from the front desk, who's normally in small hotels, the people that look after this, are, should be busy dealing with clients on site, period. Yep. And uh, so once we discovered that we took that out of the equation, that everything changed. And then you were also not, you were able to find staff easier because they didn't have to have as high a as bar as somebody you were expecting to also manage it, you know, your customers online and, and other tech details you know so um um yeah so that's really important those three things have to work well i mean you mentioned tech there because i want to talk you know tech stack for a hotel you know you know i think it's very important you know anything from your channel manager to your website to property management system i mean what advice would you give anyone looking to implement a system in a hotel because everyone's going to have one that like 
should you use, you know, a one system that does all? Like, you know, should you separate it? How do you interconnect those things? I mean, what's your advice? My advice is, is really, if you can stay away from one system that does all. And, you know, a perfect example you know, is like Orbe and cloud beds and, and, yep. you know, and um, it's, it's because they, what I find is they really don't do anything really that well, or maybe they do one thing really well, but they don't, all the other things, they don't do that well. So you take your booking engine, for instance, which is a really important, okay? And it has to be really simple and, and straightforward and everything. And so if it's not up to par, which you wouldn't know if it wasn't or wasn't, you could easily be losing 10 or 15% just on the booking engine, and you wouldn't even know it. Well, what would you do to get 10 or 15% more business, you know? So it's, um, you know, and then your channel manager, you know, I mean, we've, without disclosing names, one of those one all is, is just, you know, all of a sudden a channel management, you find out that, you know, your $200 room is, is $59 on booking.com. Like what the hell? And of course it's Saturday you know, when they don't work. Um, and, uh, you know, because they're a local company and, uh, you know, nobody works on the weekend and uh, only us foreign people do work on the weekend. So, you know, and then you, so you got on booking.com, you got these rooms for $59 and you have to, and you, and you don't even know how to shut it down, you know, so. Well, I mean, what's your go-to for channel manager? I mean, if someone's like, hey, Colin, I'm looking to, but because a lot of people listening to this are looking to basically do small hotels or hotels yeah. here in Costa Rica. I mean, what's your go-to? Yeah, SiteMinder. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's easy to use. It's 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 been around for quite a while. It's I don't know how many clients it's got, but like fifty thousand or something like that. And and so if something's wrong with your um, channel manager, like your pricing or in inventory, it's wrong with everybody's. Okay, yeah. so they are on it so fast uh, that uh, you know they just it, it's so yeah that's uh, my. They do a great job. They do a great yeah. job. I remember meeting uh, their now I think he's now regional manager Jason like years back. You know when SiteMinder was just small getting started and they got a lot of VC money and you know because in the travel company we actually integrated directly with SiteMinder and I had to call the CEO up and be like, dude, no one is t- is no one is answering the questions that we have. And then like two seconds later, you know, we were connected. Yeah. Yeah. No, they've done an amazing job and, and you can see they've got a big future ahead of them. Well, they, they're already doing really well, yeah. but they're going to continue to, to grow in the industry. So, yeah. um, and just for a booking engine, we use simple booking and uh, it's uh, it, it's funny. The name says simple booking, which it's, it's, you know, the interface and is really quite, attractive and it looks anything but simple but is is really um and we find that it does a really good job of presenting our inventory and yet at the same time um uh you know making it very easy for the client to book and an easy uh, integration with SiteMinder as well yeah you know this is another thing you know these guys that do the all-in-one they always try and scare everybody and they say oh well none of it ever works with well with each other and that's a bunch of crap you know these things are really designed to they have to work with uh you know so you pick a few uh good uh tools and that you know are known to work well together and you won't have a problem and and also you know pricing wise it can cost a little bit more uh doing you know what you know separate channel manager separate pms separate um um booking engine and everything but it's not that much more and what you will gain in the way of uh clients and client management uh, it far exceeds whatever you, you know, claim to save or, or, you know, or they claim some ease of use and everything. And, and, uh, um, but if you're somebody who just wants to do it all on your own and, and not be bothered too much with all of that, that, yeah, maybe a, a all in one solution would be the right thing for you. So it's not, I'm not taking it off the table, but just for us, for people where we're just concerned about revenues, 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 no, it's not a solution for us. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, again, I've had you know experience with a lot of the stuff that you've talked about there, and yeah, you know, Sightminder uh, is 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 very very good. You know, I mean, I think the big guys are using Travel Click, but that thing's just so expensive that for you know small guys, it's not really work at all. So you know, again, I, I hesitate to say this, but I, I you know I need to be honest. I, you know, we we have a client that used Travel Click. And um, so when we took them over, they had a contract with Travel Click, and and we um, uh, had to work with that contract and work with them. Well, I was just shocked at how you know. Granted, we were a small client, but you know, it's still it was almost fifteen hundred dollars a month. So it's it's expensive. Not, not, yeah. It's okay. So I was just shocked at how little support we got. And when I asked them some questions, because I know about Google AdWords and, and yep. things like that, um, that they were very vague on the answers and everything. And I just thought, oh, you know, so. So anyway. Um, but I think they we, were first to market. You know, they were kind of first yeah. to the market and the big guys adopted them. And like from there is if you had no choice, then you had no choice. But now you do. Yeah. Well, listen to this. So we found out that the last three months of their contract because the client credit card expired that they didn't alert them. The ads were not even running. Okay. Three months. Wow. Okay. And they had no hesitation collecting their fee. Of course. Okay. Of course. Yeah. Their $1,500 client management fee. I was just shocked. And this is the thing. And I just think, wow, you know, look at these people. They have thousands of clients. And this is their commitment to the client, right? Yeah. And here we are, you know, that we are just all over this client, you know, and, you know, going through every step, you know, of, of the reservation, the management, and the payment, and the marketing, and, and your branding, and the graphics, and everything. And, you know, these companies just get away with that. And this is why I left marketing is because that's what I used to see in the industry all the time. I always call it smoke and mirrors, you know, it, yep. it's just, oh, look over here and here's a great lunch, you know, and it worked every time, you know, and, yeah. and, and we don't do that. And so anyway, I really, you know, hesitate um, when people say they're using these types of things. I'm like, oh, well, okay, good. If it works for you. Yeah. But the thing is, you don't know as a client, you have no idea. You think, oh, well, I got that base covered, right? Correct. And so you have no idea how much money is sitting on the table. Okay. Well, so think about it. You know, if your average room revenues are 50,000 a month, right? And you left 20% on the table, which is easy. Okay, that's usually that's what $10,000. Yeah, so that's $10,000 a month, right? So that's a year is $120,000, right? And five years, it's like seven fifty dollars or whatever it is, seven hundred, dollars I don't know, whatever. Uh, it's a lot. And, yeah. uh, you know, and also that's usually your gravy because you built your expenses around your income. And so yeah. if your income is, you know, built around, you know, 50, 50,000, you know, and you could have got 60. So that means there's really probably $10,000 worth of profit there. So, so I just can't stress this enough for people is you have no idea how much money is sitting on the table. And even somebody like me, who's been doing this all my life, you know, had this big wake up call after COVID. And it's like, Oh my God, we got 20 to 25% more money. Run the number over 10 years. It's best not to because it only brings pain, Colin. Yeah, because our revenues are 100 plus a month, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. And then you take the OTA management fees and all this other stuff. And, and yeah. Well, and you're, you're not talking about spending more money. You're just saying you're leaving 20% on the table, which means that Absolutely. falls to the bottom line, meaning 20% exactly. profit margin yeah. falls to and the bottom line. And if you threw another 500 or or $1,000 a month Google ads at it, you know, yeah. could you, you know, and so. And that just reminds me, Colin, you know, a lot of people ask me of like, Rich, like I see all these valuations of these hotels. I'm looking to buy this hotel, you know, or we help them, you know, purchase the, the hotel. And they're like, how did they come up with this valuation for the property? And I'm like, well, it's either a multiple of EBITDA, you know, earnings before interest, tax depreciation and assets. It's either uh, uh, how many keys have you got on a multiple of the keys, or it's just a replacement kind of cost, or a realtor gave them a number because something sold in the area for that amount. Like it's 
it's so difficult to get to that value. And like, I understand in like, you know, there are CapEx rates and everything in the rest of the world and their valuations, but here in Costa Rica, there's no MLS, there's no standard for really anything. So it's so difficult. So leaving that 20% on the table, if that fell to the bottom line, typically your multiple that you get in your business, they're going to look at how profitable your business is and how good the reviews are. And typically, I've found that hotels that have great profitability and great reviews get a much higher multiple when it comes to selling their business. Right. Well, I, again, I don't know how to value them. As you know, I'm going through the process I mean, of my place and, and yep. I just added up all the assets and threw a, a comfortable conservative number on for the business and said, yep. that's it. And and if anybody wants to pay that, then I'm ready to go. And yeah, cool. and I found a buyer. So Well, and what someone's going to do is going to look at your bottom line and go, how many times is that a multiple off? If you know what I mean, throw some goodwill in there and be like, can I make changes to increase that bottom line that I can pay for this, you know, this purchase price in like, you know, six, seven years, maybe, you know, maybe less depending on what it is. But I, I, it's just a, it's a world of like, gray if that makes sense and people keep asking right. me about it and i'm like there is no rhyme or reason to it guys sometimes yeah and you know what i've seen during my process of selling my hotel was of looking around is almost no hotel that's listed for sale is profitable um they're all kind of broken properties that really didn't make didn't make any money or made very little and people are just tired of doing it and want to sell it and uh, so you know at me as a potential buyer, I just look at that's like, okay, how much is the land worth? And how much is the buildings worth? And how much is it going to cost you to get it up to speed? That's what it's worth. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's nothing there for goodwill or anything like that. And uh, so, and that's how I just start by pricing it is, is what is the land worth? What's the buildings worth? And when, what's it going to cost you to, to, you know, yeah, and I mean, what's well, your upside? What can you what, can you expand? You know, so what's it. your upside? So yeah, I mean, I think the expansion part is important sometimes, just because oh, yeah. again, you know, you'll want to expand at some point because if you get it working, your limitation is going to be your number of rooms. Yes, yes, or the quality of your rooms. Correct. Okay, so you know, right now, uh, my biggest challenge is you know people want better rooms than you know, and I you know, because I'm selling, I'm not willing to invest the money uh, to give them what they want. And I'll leave it for the next person to, you know, so there's a yeah. lot of money sitting there on the table right there. So, um, uh, you know, you can take a place and if it's a good location and it's got eh, rooms, which is a lot of these places for sale, yeah. um, what's it going to cost you to bring them up to? And then what could you get for them? So, I mean, we're working with a client at the moment. We're just about to cross the finish line on buying their beachfront hotel, which has like eight rooms. It's spectacular. And I'm like, if you don't buy this, I'm going to buy it. Like the deal is exceptional. And here's me being like, I'm buying it. Like I just sold the hotel. Like I don't want to get it. Like every time I like, there's this recurring cycle of like, I'm never going to do it again. And my wife just looks at me and goes, Rich, that one was quicker than last time. That was like 30 days, you know? Wow. Yeah, at least last time it was six months. Now it's you down at 30 days. And like it's like a it's like a drug that you just can't get off. But I mean, it's such a great, I mean, you get to see the best of people, Colin. I always say it. Like you get to see them relaxed and amazing people and have amazing experiences. So, you know. Yeah. 95% of our guests are great people. Um, and yep. I feel very fortunate about that. And and I realize that, wow, this is, you know, a, a good business because, you know you you could be in businesses where you just really don't like your customers then if that was the yeah. case i would have got for a long time ago so yeah awesome well i mean what are what are some of the easy wins that anyone in the industry can make you know today to improve their revenue colin because again anyone that owns a hotel they're always thinking about revenue 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 because you can cost right. up but like getting the revenue side is just so important because it just screams over everything else yeah. so well, one of the most important things is on google adwords is by your brand name, okay? Yep. So this is really important and I'll quickly, because uh, uh, most people don't because they think it's, why should I? You know, I'm, that's my name, why should I? Well, well listen. You're halfway down the page. Booking.com is willing to buy your brand name at whatever it costs them, no matter what. And it will cost them more than it would cost you because of what's called quality score. Yep. And so, and why is booking.com going to do that? Well, not only 
you know, who, remember the, on the internet, whoever builds the best mousetrap wins. Okay. Yeah. Booking.com built one of the best mousetraps. So you can't fault them. And how did they get to be so big? It wasn't because it was such a fabulous booking engine. It was on your brand name. Okay. So people that wanted Hotel Banana Azul, which is my brand, they type in Hotel Banana Azul, which is your client. And booking.com met them right at the front door on the internet and said, oh, hey, we got them. We got the best rates here. We got this. We got that. You know how to use the system. You can trust us and everything right this way. Okay. Yep. So your best case scenario is you only lost 20%. Okay. Okay. But no, it gets worse. Okay. So they're into their vortex, right? Well, all of a sudden, you know, not only are they showing your property, but they're showing other properties that might be cheaper or higher rated. Okay, right along your so immediately, you have a really good chance of losing that reservation that was your client when they typed you into the book engine they were looking for you your credit card in hand yep. and ready to go okay but you just lost them okay so you can lose the whole reservation okay okay it doesn't stop there okay then i don't know if they used to but they used to do it now but they sure used to do it and they got a lot of flack over it but they used to send people emails before the cancellation rate telling people you can cancel and get a better deal elsewhere. Cancellation with no charge and get a better deal elsewhere. Wow. It's just horrible. And there's nothing you can do. You can, you know, scream all you want. It's not going to do anything. Booking.com years ago, their Google ad spend was $3 billion a year. Okay. I'm assuming it's probably up to four or five now. So it's humongous. Oh, and I thought we were spending a lot when we were at like three, four million. Right. You know, no, <laughs> no, no. It's like, so, um, you know, that is my number one thing is, is don't let the, you're letting these people take your customers and you need to, it's not that difficult to do it. If you were going to do only one thing on Google, and which you have to be careful because you, if you don't do it right, you can lose a lot of money. Uh, but if you do it right, if you're going to do one thing, that's it. Um, the other thing is, is OTA management is, you know, don't, don't. <laughs> this is a trap that everybody falls into. Oh, I need to sell those rooms. Well, you go to the OTAs and you just drop your price because it's easy. Okay. Right. And so meanwhile, you know, if your room's $100 and then all of a sudden, then, you know, on the OTA, you say, oh, I just want to fill the rooms. And it's like, so I put it down to 75 because I just want to like really like, you know. And so you lost another 20%. So now your um, your income is $60 a room. Okay. So, and me and you're training your customers to book, not even go to the website. The best prices are always on the OTA. Okay, so this is what's happening. And also, you know, we even took our cheapest room because we have a couple really cheap rooms that just are yep. all rooms that we never upgraded. We don't even put those on the OTAs. Why? Because we don't want to give people the illusion that that's our, pros, our price yeah. point. And uh, so, um, you know, so I, they tell you, you can't do it, but it's just do it no one says anything is i add 10 percent always on, on on the otas and it's just forbidden to go lower on the otas um so those you know couple things um you know of They're course huge. you know revenue management and and uh, di dynamic pricing and um those can get a little bit more tricky, but they're worth it. But for somebody who's not really experienced at it, uh, you can do that. But just the other thing on the OTA thing is just don't release all your inventory. You know, yeah. you, especially, you know, when you're probably going to be full, block all those things off, 
Just block them all out. And as you get closer, just look at your occupancy rates and you think, oh, it's not selling quite as fast as I was hoping. Then start op- releasing that inventory. Yeah. And so, you know, those are some really good uh, tips and strategies. Um, you know, um, just a, a you know a shameless plug here is we when we get a client who want is interested in it's a it's a really big commitment to work with us. It's not uh, something you're just signing up for a you know a, a piece of tech or anything like that. It's a full on relationship. So we have a a very careful evaluation about the client, the property, and and what you're going to own their sales and marketing funnel, Colin. Right, exactly. Like the so, whole thing from start to finish, like it's yeah. everything or it's nothing. Yeah, and we also need to know that they're going to participate in the process because if they're yep. not, it's worth it. So, and we don't have any contracts where we sign that you're stuck for a year or anything like that. This works for you or you fire us. That's it. Yep. Yep. Um, because, and we, we feel so confident about what they're we're doing. We know in three to six months, you're just going to go, whoa, you know, oh, I wish I'd done that a long time ago. Yeah. And that's what happened our clients right so we have a very careful vetting process but we welcome people to go through the vetting process right because even if you decide it's not for you or we might decide you're not a good fit we will leave you with concrete advice of what you can do yourself okay and so it's like, well, you can do this yourself. You can do that. You Everything we show you, you can do yourself. So I, I really encourage people to take advantage of this because this is stuff that's taken me, you know, 18 years to learn. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I thought I was pretty smart 18 years ago. Um, and guess what? I'm a lot smarter now. Well, it's so, amazing sometimes how success in one industry does not mean success in another, and especially a different country and industries and also countries, you know. So, I mean, I've said it before. I can count on one hand the marketing gurus I know, Colin, and you are on those hands. And I don't say that lightly because, again, I've been into the – I've seen, you know, the uh, behind the scenes and a lot of, you know, the best performing hotels in the country, and your numbers are outstanding. So it's not that I'm blowing, you know, smoke up your ass or anything like that. I'm saying this of, like, guys, if you're really – you really want to increase your revenue numbers, like speak to Colin and his guys, because again, at some point you guys are going to get so busy that you can't take on new clients anyway. So. Yes. Yeah. We can all, we are we're, given all what we do, we can only take on a certain amount of clients because yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, we, you're, you're taking care of all of that sales funnel and, uh, and it's not automated. There's it's it's intense. There's a, yeah, yeah. It's intense. You we know? automate where possible, but even that requires human oh. management. And seven days a week, including Christmas and Easter. And, you know, uh, it cannot be left, you know, so. Well, I, I mean, I always say, you know, I've, I said when we were in the tourism business of like humans build a better vacation, like people will do a better job, you know, of building a vacation. Because I spoke to a guy the other day that's building this thing for AI. And I'm like, dude, you don't realize how many people I've spoken to that are trying to do what it is that you're doing. But like when people have money or are looking on the luxury side or looking to spend money in a foreign country, they want to talk to a human being. They want to feel safe and secure. But like AI, maybe at some point we'll be able to do that. But like that human mm-hmm. interaction is part of our DNA. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I've been sort of like, studying a little bit the ai um and chat gpt and things like that and and you know i i just it's not we're not ready yet and uh you know we'll continue to watch what happens in that area and let them uh shake out what works and what doesn't and and uh but i i i totally agree with you uh people didn't come to stay at a hotel a boutique hotel okay to have everything automated you know uh, they came to have somebody greet them at the desk and to serve them a drink and and for them to ask what they should do and you know and 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 you know and there's no way that AI is is going to replace that. Definitely. And just one other real tip that I want to give for people about um, running a hotel because um, I used to get nervous over the years because you know constant 
changes that are happening in the industry or the country or whatever. And also we were on the Caribbean. So for years we had lots of challenges bringing people here. And I always wondered like, you know, oh my God, what's going to happen in that? And what I found out and, and realized is like, you know, as long as you can continue to have happy guests, you, you're going to be all right, you know? Yeah. And, and, and what happened after COVID, which just proved that, you know, we were in COVID and, you know, and I was like, you know, thinking that I'm bankrupt and, and not knowing how I'm going to pay all these refunds and everything. And so we needed some money and, you know, I went to the banks and it was so funny because they just, they basically told me, oh, you're in tourism. <laughs> you know what? You guys are all going to go out of business. So we're not stupid enough to loan you money. Yep. That's what they basically told me. I don't like, yep. Thanks. Okay. Glad, you know. Uh, so, uh, so we needed money. And I, you know, reluctantly sent this uh, email out to all of our client base and said, um, you know what? We're kind of trying to get through COVID and, and we're hoping that we're all going to get through this and you're excited about coming back one day. And, and if you are, um, we have this really great um, deal for you. Okay. Um, but we need you to know, which is something we never did before, which is non-refundable. <laughs> uh, but if for some reason, health or whatever, you can't make it, it's totally changeable up to three years. And if you can't use it, you could sell it or give it to a friend or whatever, or, or, or whatever. We had this overwhelming response and within 30 days had $100,000. Colin, the best way to raise money, more sales. Yeah. And so, you know, and I was like, wow. And I talked to some of our regular clients and I thank them for it. And they were just like, oh, no, we love your place. And we were so afraid that you might go under and we wouldn't be able to come back and da, 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 da. And uh, so we were only too happy. And and we knew you were good for it. And, and if something happened, you closed, you closed. It was like, you know. Yeah. And uh, so and what that came down to is because, you know, we we over the years have developed it happy, satisfied customers. And so I realized that, you know, if you in the industry, if that's your goal and you're passionate about it, you 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 really can't fail. I'm mean, sure you can't close, change global events and things like that, but, um, you, you know. You just got to surf, surf the wave you're given, dude. And it's like, no. who would have ever thought, oh, happy, satisfied customers. Yeah. You know? Well, Colin, <laughs> I think you may have the longest podcast yet. This has been great. This, I mean, this has been not, not at all. It's been amazing, but, you know, information and tidbits here for, I think, people that own, you know, boutique properties or in a hospitality that are looking to do it. But my last question I'd love to ask everyone, Colin, if you had, if you inherited $500,000 and had to invest it into a business or real estate in Costa Rica, what would you do with it and why? Well, it's funny because you asked me this question before a couple of times and, uh, you know, and, and $500,000 down here you know, years ago used to be a lot of money. It's not anymore. Um, yeah. so I hate to break it to you, uh, to anybody listening. Um, so my thing is, is, you know, I, I, I'm kind of a longer term uh, thing and I would just pick a great location uh, that, you know, has got a good upside and there's plenty around Costa Rica uh, and buy land, uh, especially if it's something that you could uh, as big as you possible and something that you could subdivide. Yep. And and just sit on it and 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 wait for the right time and the demand. And also, when you have cash, there's still deals to be had. There you is know, always there are deals everywhere. Get out of Dodge, and if you've got yep. cash, you can still you'll get them. So that's my yep. my. Thing. I like it. Well, Colin, this has been a great podcast. I'll put all of your contact details in the description because I'm sure quite a few people listening will want to contact you. But really appreciate you taking the time to come on and chat with us. Okay, Richard, anytime. Thanks again. Okay. Have a great day. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, there we have it, guys. Colin won the uh, award for the longest podcast so far after 138 episodes here. But, I, I, you know, I, I wanted to keep it going just because there was so much valuable information in here that, you know, that Colin gave away. Um, you know, and again, I can count on my hands the number of great marketing people that I know. Uh, Casey, my business partner, is one. And then the other one, of course, is, is Colin. So, I mean, you know, these are just amazing guys in hospitality that really know what it is that they're doing. Um, you know, and again, I mean, I think one of the advantages of working with ClickArts and Colin is that, like, if he doesn't perform, he doesn't get paid, meaning that, like, the it's a win-win scenario. It's not that you need to pay me and then I'll do the work. It's like, we will work. And if 
get successful, then, you know, we get paid. So all of Colin's uh, contact details are in the description down below. But I think anybody that would like to chat with us about investing in Costa Rica, I say investing, but it could be, again, you know, purchasing real estate, making sure it's in the right location for you based on your needs. Uh, or if it is, an that you know, there is an investment element to it of just getting a real, I would say, um, you know, no strings attached kind of idea of what the returns could be. Um, you know, I think we've got 19 homes and it's about to become four hotels here that we're project managing here where we've taken the idea all the way through uh, because we can do the whole thing for you. You know, we're even remodeling some places at the moment as well. And I think, you know, it's, it's as I mentioned there with Colin, of like when we started, you know, I really wasn't too sure where this was going to take us. But, you know, is when people need help. I'm, I've always said I'm a sucker for helping people. And sometimes the guys in the office are like, Rich, what are you doing? You know, but it's just, that's it. You know, we will help people, um, you know, have a soft landing here in Costa Rica because a lot of people don't have a soft landing here. Um, so, you know, I was, I asked the question to uh, Eric in my office the other day, uh, who's our head of development and construction. I was like, what percentage of people do you think that when they come and invest here or build in Costa Rica get kind of somewhat misled or even screwed uh, might be the word. And he was like 30%. I was like, wow, I didn't really think it would be that high. But anyway, we're here to help you guys kind of guide you. Um, and again, you know, we have a great reputation here. You can contact us info at investingcostarica.com, info at investingcostarica.com. But until the next podcast, guys, we'll chat to you later. Bye. The number one Costa Rica real estate and investment podcast, bringing you experts from all over Costa Rica.